All right. We're just going to do a quick intro. Yes. My name's Maya. I'm 39 weeks pregnant. This is going to be some sort of parenting podcast. Yeah. And you are? I am the, uh, the, the, the male stud who provided <laughs> this child. Right. Yeah. And your name is Eric. Eric. Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, who's good at intros now? <laughs> Eric comma male stud. Uh huh. Yeah. And you know, we're going to talk about what it's like being a first time parent. Um, I was thinking just before we get into everything, I think that there are three things that we should tell our listeners. Yeah, let's do it. Number one, yeah. we have two dogs. Yeah, and they are fighting right now. Yeah, they're like, are, weren't Boston Terriers like they were bred to be little fighting dogs? Mm -hmm. yep. And that's what we're seeing now. Yeah. It's their instinct. Yes, and it never stops. Yep. One is an idiot puppy, which is a, you know, horrifying sign of what's to come. Yeah, it's like on Family Guy when Peter Griffin's fighting the chicken. Like oh, yeah. forever and ever. And that's basically <laughs> their existence. Yeah. Um, so you may hear some dogs. It's important to me that you, the listener, know that I take high quality audio very seriously. I know. That was the second thing I was going to say. <laughs> so we, we've both done a podcast or two in yep. our lives. Yes. I would say one of us takes it slightly more seriously than the other in terms of audio quality and production. Yes. And I think, yes, it's important for them to know how you, how seriously you take it. But I also think it's important for them to know that the one thing that you and I cannot have a conversation about without getting in a fight is for some reason, audio production, Yeah, microphones, headphones, what a good podcast sounds like. It's just not something we can talk about. Yeah. I'm really hoping that our child becomes like a, an audiophile. What if he doesn't, you won't love him anymore? To be determined. He is going to be half me. He may not care about things in the same way that you do. <laughs> yeah. I'm, well, I'm very, I will, I will work hard and early to uh, instill him. And with you think a, that you think that that's going to make him be an audiophile. <laughs> if, if from the moment he's born, you lecture him about microphones the way you do me. You think yeah. he's going to love microphones? Yeah. No. I'm going to, uh, I mean, the moment he comes out, guy. literally before the cord is cut, <laughs> I'm going to slap these headphones on him and I'm going to talk through this microphone and I'm going to say, those headphones are the production standard for video and auto produ audio production around the world right now. Are they? I hate these headphones. Well, they're the standard. So, that, so I was told. So I don't actually the, know. That's the second thing. Mm -hmm. The reason we sound so good right now is because Eric spent two hours setting up microphones in our whole recording setup. Mm, I was also cooking dinner. And cooking dinner. Uh, but yeah, don't don't talk to us about the audio situation. Yeah, don't at me. Um, and then the third thing, I thought maybe we could tell them the story of how we met, how we got here. <laughs> okay. The qu short version. <clears throat> yeah. We met at a tweet up at a bar in Manhattan uh, in 2009. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's no, the short version. The slightly less, you know, say the thing you always say. I'm trying to paint the picture of how we're in love. Oh, um, what's the thing I always say? You Well, so you mean like what I thought when I saw yeah. you? Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, I was wearing a green dress. She was wearing a green dress. I was very young and skinny, very young and skinny in a green dress at this bar. I walked in after moving my friend into his new apartment all day long. And I was with my other friend and we walked in and I saw her. And like I said, this was a tweet up, which is nobody a, knows a what that Twitter is meetup. absolutely unfathomable in 2021 <laughs> because a tweet up is just a place where you go to get murdered. I, if anybody <laughs> tried to do that now. But back in the day, Twitter was a thing that only a handful of people used. And then we would occasionally meet up in real life, which is unbelievable. Very weird. So we met at a tweet up. I walked in the door. I saw you, Maya, my future wife, standing there. And I thought... Not the first guy to see me and think I was his future wife. Yeah, okay. Get over it. 
I saw you and I thought, wow, I don't know who she's here with who conned her into coming to this fucking nerd fest, but uh, props to that guy because he's got it made. You, you used to say it in a more romantic way, but I guess <laughs> <laughs> time has worn that story down. And then, and then uh, we went up to the roof and you came over and talked to me and you stood on a coffee table because I'm very tall. And then you got yelled at by security. And then which I you found adorable, which I found adorable. And then I left and went to a birthday party for someone I was dating. And you went off with the, you know, the I think three I actually was there with a guy dozen or so people you were dating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I tweeted at you the next day. Yeah. And then we went on a date to, uh, you went, you came and picked me up at work. I worked at a luxury cigar shop yes. where I had to wear high heels. And I worked at a, a major men's magazine. Are you not allowed to say where you were? Of course I am. Esquire. <laughs> um, I was trying to be mysterious. Yeah. Well, it's pretty cool that you worked at Esquire, which is why I dated you. <laughs> but you took me out, you came and picked me up at work and we went on our first date to, we got lunch and we got burgers. Yeah. Um, and we found out on that date that both of us had zombie blogs. Yes. And I think that, I think that literally is the moment that I was like, oh, I'm probably going to marry this guy. Yeah. We just had too much, like too many weird things in common. And you were so cute. Yeah. I can't disagree with you on any of those points. Also, oh yeah. 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 We, we were, were both very cute. We were both very cute. We were you in know. our twenties. We were young professionals in Manhattan. It was 2009. So like it wasn't completely right tired to be like, to have a zombie blog. It was like it was kind cool of funny then. and yeah. interesting. It wasn't just we were the pioneers. worst. Um, yeah. yeah. So it all lined up. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we fell in love. I stopped dating all those other guys eventually. Yeah. Um, and we, uh, we, let's see. So we've been together for 12 years, something like that. If you don't, well, we, yeah, we, we, whatever, we broke up for a year, which yes. I highly recommend to everybody. Yeah. If you're coming to this podcast for advice, if you haven't broken up with your significant yeah, other it. at least once, you should. Yeah. Take a year Get off. Get your groove back. Yeah. Figure out what you're into. Yeah. And at the end of that year, if that person's what you're into. Great. That's great. And if not, even better. <laughs> you just got out of a terrible situation. No, but we, it, was, it was really good for us. Yeah. We spent a year apart. Um, some of us happier about that than others. Yeah. Um, I was fine. <laughs> okay. Um, and then when we got back together, so we, what, that was 2013 or yes, something. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and so at that point I was, you know, I was in my later twenties and yes. I had made it very clear to you that I wanted to get engaged before I was 30. Yeah. Um, because I always knew I wanted to have kids. Yeah. And I have a biological clock. And so you comically proposed to me the day before my 30th birthday. Yes. Run out the clock, Very guys. Very funny. And then we got married a year later, yeah. which would have made me 31, almost 31. We got married. Yeah. And the reason this is this story is relevant is because like, I, you know, so we dated for, what does that make it? Like eight years or something before? No. How many years were we together before we got married? It was most of my 20s. Yeah, it was like 2009 to 2016. So six years. Yeah, I was very young when we met. And yeah. I was like, oh, I'm 22, 23. I just met my husband. Like, I'm set. You I literally like so stole her away from her parents. <laughs> okay. I, I, uh, <laughs> I abducted her. <laughs> oh, do you want to do that chat before we start talking about the baby? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> this is a like, is this is like a ceremonial um, yeah. kickoff for the it's podcast. Because I can't drink. So you have to be drunk enough for both of us. Yeah. Maya poured me a shot while I was uh, preparing dinner and setting up the extremely high quality <laughs> microphones. If anybody's interested in uh, hearing about nope, how nope, I nope, commit the nope. rich timbre of my voice to. You can email Eric and please. talk to him about Happy it. Happy to talk about it. Um, okay, here we go. I'm going to have a shot. There you go. 
Do you want to describe the smooth taste of that whiskey? Um, what is it? Telemore Dew? Yep. Uh, drank it out of a, a Hawaii shot class. So anyway. Tasted like garbage. The point of that whole story was I was very young when we met. And uh-huh. when you meet your future husband, when you're in your early 20s, you feel like you have so much time to have kids. Yes. And so when we got married and I was, you know, I turned 31 and we got married in August and then figured that I would stop taking birth control at the end of that year. Yeah. Because we were like, well, we're going to get pregnant right away. Like, you know, we we want to enjoy a few months of, of being married and whatever. Yep. So we started trying to get pregnant in, what was that? January, 2017. Yeah. I Um, figured it would just be six months of bikinis and risky sex. And then, and then we'd be parents. And we, we did, there was lots of bikinis and risky sex, Yeah, but unfortunately no baby, or I mean, maybe that made it more fun for you. Then it was bikinis and risky sex followed by anxiety and depression. Yeah. Lots of crying. (laughs) So we ended up spending something like three years. No. When did we go to the doctor? I think that was 20, that must've been 2019. So we were, we were trying for like two, two and a half years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then at, by that point I'm suddenly in my mid thirties out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, and, I, and my doctor is like, Hmm, if you've been trying for two years, you really should go to a fertility doctor. Yeah. And so we ended up, uh, we did three rounds of IUI and then ended up doing IVF. Um, and obviously it worked out because I'm extremely pregnant now. Um, really, really pregnant, like super pregnant, but it was a pretty traumatizing. I would say both of those phases, both the trying to get pregnant and the whole IVF thing were pretty tough on us. Yeah. Yeah. More on me, I guess just emotionally. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, emotionally traumatizing for me, but it was, uh, kind of like physically and emotionally traumatizing for you. Yeah. But I also, you kept saying to me, like, I feel like it really became my whole personality, the whole, like not being able to get pregnant thing. Yeah. And I feel like I'm not usually obsessive about things in that way. Like I'm usually able to put something aside and move on, but I I really feel like I spent three years being like depressed and angry and feeling like there was something wrong with me. And like, I was never going to be able to have a kid. And, and like I said, I, that's really all I wanted in life was to have kids. And so that felt really crushing and hard in a way that I think you were disappointed, but not like destroyed by it. Yeah. I mean, I I don't want to like pontificate too much about this. And also I don't want to sound like, um, you know, like Patrick Bateman and American psycho talking about it either, Uh but like, (laughs) but I, I think that, um, navigating all of that with you and, you know, as a a potential future parent, I, I, I feel this is my truth. So if you hear this and you're a new parent or a hopeful new parent, and this does not resonate with you, don't let me know. I, I, I am, I am telling you upfront, I don't care. So don't email me or just say the thing. Okay. Um, my feeling was like, you as the female, the one who will carry this child and the one who is sort of like going through all the physical sensations of, you know, like being pregnant or not being pregnant. Um, you have a biological connection to what's going on, right? Like an immediate, immediate, like this is all happening in your house. You know, I'm just, I'm just dropping in for a second. Right. (laughs) Like, uh, everything pre biologically, everything stays the same for me either way. And so like the whole thing was just this like abstract yeah. kind of, I think it still is for you. Oh, definitely a hundred percent. And then everybody's going to love hearing me talk about that. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So like when we were going through all of that, sort of the wins and losses, uh, you know, and there are many in the process, I feel like, like in the IUI and IVF 
process, mm-hmm. um, multiple wins and losses along the way. Yeah. It remains abstract for me because I'm not the one who like physically has to go through it. And yeah. the thought of being a dad, as I sit here across from my wife, who is nine and a half months pregnant. Uh, I'm almost 10 months, pregnant, almost 10 months actually. pregnant. Um, did you even did listener? Did you even know you could be pregnant for that long? Did you not know only that I might go to 10 and a half months, 42 weeks is when they force you to, to do an induction. Yeah. This kid's going to have male pattern baldness when he comes out. <laughs> He's going to be like, you know, close to retirement. I'm honest. I will say real talk today. I went from being scared that he was going to come early to terrified that he's going to come super late. Yeah. I went through that today. I mean, that's the emotional rodeo that you're riding this whole time. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm just hanging you're out, just hanging out, taking whiskey shots. I'm hanging out doing whiskey shots. Literally that is what I'm doing. <laughs> no, but, but the, the reality is that through all of this, like the, the thought of potentially being a parent is abstract it's, it's not connected to my physiology in any way. It's just like, okay, I'm going to show up at the appointment and see what the results are. And like, I'm doing literally nothing except popping into a weird little room and reading some skin mags and doing what I've been doing (laughs) since the age of 11, baby. (laughs) So it's pretty easy, um, on my end, except for, pondering this abstract notion of being a parent, you know? But I also think, I mean, maybe you're not remembering because I feel like when we were going through all the IUI and IVF stuff, you had this very weird, I think because you don't have a physiological connection to it, you had this extremely optimistic view on the whole thing every time. And then like I, you know, for three years or whatever had been getting my period every month instead of not getting it and being able to take a pregnancy test. And so I feel like I was expecting it not to work every time. Like I had already Mm. decided there was something wrong. And when we started doing the fertility treatments, you were so much more surprised and crushed than I was when they didn't work. Like I went in expecting IUI. We did IUI three times and, and each time you were like, I'm sure it'll work. There's no reason why it wouldn't work. And then you were so surprised. Like I remember every time I had to take a pregnancy test, you were the one who was like, it's going to be positive. Why wouldn't it be? And then you were like really sad and surprised when it wasn't. Yeah. Um, cause to you, it's like, why, you know, why wouldn't it work? Like, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure I can really like say where that positivity came from or like why stupid. Cause you don't, cause you weren't like reading all the I was reading like books and blogs and talking to doctors and talking to my friends who were going through for, you know, it's like, there's a million reasons why I might not work. Yeah. This might not be the best way to say it, but like in some, in some way for me, it was like a zero stakes, like (laughs) why not be positive about it? You know, like, because I'm not contemplating anything, like everything stays the same for me, Yeah, you know, like in that process. So it's like, yeah, Yeah. I've, I've, like, like I'm not, I'm not thinking about like what's ticking away inside my body or what's going on or whatever. I'm just like, yeah, yeah. It seems cool. It seems, yeah. it seems like, Which, uh, and you can imagine how infuriating that was for me as someone going through it, especially because you never are optimistic about anything. And this was the one thing in your life that you were like, yeah, of course it's going to be fine. I mean, I found it very easy to choose to be positive about this because it had nothing to do with because you. <laughs> it was, you know, uh, I mean, I, I know I sound really callous in the way that I'm kind of describing this, but in reality, it's like I show up for the one big appointment and then I just, you know, pop in to see how things are going. And do you remember, do you remember the one time when we had to do blood tests and we were sitting in that doctor's office and they brought in, they like, they made two little piles of the 
blood vials on the counter, like one for me and one for you. And they didn't tell us which was which. And one had like 12 vials in it. And one had like one. Yeah. And I was like, what do you want to bet the 12 (laughs) are for me and the one is for you? And you're like, I don't know. Like they haven't done any tests on me. Maybe they need a lot of blood for me. And then the nurse came in and like made some comment about how like I might pass out because they needed so much blood for me. And you got to do your one little thing. And then you were just sitting there looking at your phone while they were taking all the blood out of my body. Just one example of how it's more taxing on the women. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I sympathize. I know. I mean, I feel terrible that. Yeah. You were, you were very nice and supportive through the whole thing. And you were very, I I was surprised how patient you were with me being upset all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I think I do want to like spend a second just like for people who are maybe about to go through fertility stuff. I thought we could just talk a tiny bit about like what the process. Love to let's do it. Okay. So IUI, uh, do you remember how that works? Um, that is when they recover a sample from me. Recover. That's a nice way of saying it. Which means you go into a dingy little room and look at porn on paper, which you haven't done in 20 years. You said you just looked at your phone. Listen, (laughs) don't give away all my trade secrets. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, remember one of the books that I read about infertility, that woman, it was like a very, I think it was written by a very religious person who didn't want her husband looking at porn to give his sample. Um, and so she went in with him to the little room and like stripped for him. Remember? And I told you that story and you were like, like, I can't imagine either of us being less into the idea of anything. Yeah. That would not be (laughs) for you. I mean, if you want, if that was, if you needed to do that, you would be able to do that. Yeah. You know, I don't need to do that. I'm just saying pretty weird. Let the guy have a minute, you know, I guess I should, no offense if that's what somebody's listening and that's what you're into. That's yeah. fine. That's just not what we're into. Yeah. And if you have, if you're offended by that or you have a problem with that, <laughs> don't, d- email don't, us. don't, don't, don't tell me. <laughs> I, I, I cannot tell you how much I don't care. Okay. So anyway, so, so, <laughs> so anyway, I'm so, in that room and I am cranking <laughs> okay. and I'm, I'm swiping, swiping, swiping. I got so many tabs open. <laughs> okay. So you, and then my phone locks up and I'm like, son of a, so you give a, you give a sample and, yes. and I think I, I had to take some drugs for a cycle beforehand or something. Yep. Um, I think it was, it wasn't shots yet. Was it? It was, yeah, just like, there were. So for IUI, we did, um, the subcutaneous shots, but it wasn't like every day. It, it wasn't it was like just, a super rigorous, right? It was like a few amount. shots or yeah, something. Yeah. And then I was doing like a oral something. Yep. Um, but so I had to go in and I think I was doing the, like every other day monitoring for IUI where I had to go to, yeah, we lived in Brooklyn <clears throat> at the time and I had to go to the East side in Manhattan every yep. other day before work and go get blood work. And, yep. um, uh, what's it called? Vag- vaginal exam of some kind, whatever that's called. V- vagoscopy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then you go in and it's basically like this non-invasive, they like stick a catheter up there and they put the, the sample yes. like, exactly where it's supposed to go. And the point with an IUI is like, some people may not be getting pregnant because they're having like just timing issues. Like you're both yeah, totally yeah. normal and fine, but you're just not timing it right. And you were convinced that was the problem that we yeah. were timing it right, which was maddening because I was tracking everything. was pretty sure that we Well, were- you were tracking everything with like an app and I was like, what does an app know? Yeah. You know, like but people I, it, are different. But when you're trying for two years, it's like, you can't, Yeah, it, it's pretty weird for it to not work in that amount of time. Yeah, if for you're sure. not being super exact. Although I will say one of the things I learned from the many books that I read about this, when you're, especially when you're my age, like when you're over 30, 
there's only like three days a month where you can get pregnant. Mm. And so the whole, you know, that we've talked about this, but there's like the whole tactic of like just having lots of sex all the time actually isn't going to help you at all. Like you have to figure out when those three days are. Sorry, I'm just adjusting the microphone. Um, It also like, if you're not in the mix, if you're not in it, right. If you're not like going through this process, you know, you hear that and you're like, oh, you know, if you're over 30, all you got to do is just like bang all the time yeah. and it's going to work. But like banging all the time is not fun when you're trying really hard to get pregnant and you're really upset about it. Right. Yeah. Banging all the time becomes very different Yeah. when banging all the time means it feels very high stakes. It's not, it's not jet boats and bikinis and daiquiris and like it was before, like it was before, <laughs> you know, like we're not like, we're not like on the bow of a cigarette boat bouncing across the waves in Miami. You know, it's, Hey, we have to do this all the time. I'm like, clo- the clock like is, t- yeah. the clock is ticking. I'm looking at my watch and also I'm going to be really fucking stressed out the entire time. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think that neither one of us, uh, anticipated how difficult that would be. Yeah. And there were, I remember there were some months where it was like, I was aware that it was like the day that we had to do it. And I was like, so, and then we would get in a fight because it would be too high stakes. And then I would be so inconsolable because it's, then it's like, Oh, that was my chance for the whole month. And now I just have to sit here for two weeks knowing that I screwed that up. Yeah. That was rough. really horrible. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I really feel for anybody who's in that phase of it. Um, yeah. but anyway, so we did three rounds of the IUI, uh, none of them worked. Yep. And that was when, um, we had to go into the office and talk to the fertility doctor about the fact that it didn't work. I cried a lot in her office. Cause that, yeah. I think that's when she said that we had unexplained infertility, Yeah, which they use pretty broadly. Like I always thought that was a real diagnosis, but it just means sort of like we would have expected you to get pregnant right now and you haven't. Yeah. It seems like, um, a lot of things are unexplained. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> That's the other thing we learned is that nobody knows anything <clears throat> about any of this. Yeah. I, I'm going to quote something right now that I'm probably going to get wrong, but, um, Great. At the time I was, uh, this really opened my eyes, this whole experience. It really opened my eyes to like how little, um, people really understand about what's going on with fertility and childbirth and all that stuff, because, you know, I'm a dude and not uh, an enthusiast. So I didn't know anything either. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the problem is that like, um, in my opinion, if you disagree, don't let me know. Um, (laughs) science, was developed by dudes who are not enthusiasts. Uh-huh. Uh, that so, is the problem. Yeah. So like I, I read this crazy thing where like the first time a penis, uh, like from a cadaver or something was dissected to like completely understand every component of it. It was like in the 1700s. Yeah. The first time, uh, the, um, yeah, it was like the 1970s or something. No, no, no. Like the, 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 um, the clitoris. Uh huh. The first time it was dissected to understand it was, was like, like last year, <laughs> 1996. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense. Like that's crazy. Because who right? cares? Like the, uh, well, it's also, I feel like with all the infertility stuff, the answer was always like, it's the woman's fault. She just needs to like, you know, put leeches on her or whatever to fix whatever her I don't know about mental that, problem. I'm just saying like, yeah. I think it was easy to explain that away as like something that the women were doing wrong. Yeah. I mean, I think there's like social hangups about talking about sex and talking about fertility and yeah. like fertility, like infertility or um, well, even also, problematic fertility is seen as like some kind of like character flaw or yeah. like per, personal flaw. I feel like that's the other big thing that we learned is that when, when we started doing the fertility stuff, we didn't think we knew anybody who had gone through it. Yeah. And because we started talking about it, cause we're, you know, podcasters, we're over sharers. Like we, 
are very open books about everything that we're going yeah. through. We both started talking to our own friends and coworkers and strangers and, you know, anybody yeah, yeah. who would listen to us on the street. And I feel like the majority of people we know have been through it in some way. Like we know so many people who've been through IVF or IUI or wanted to do IVF or have just been trying for a long time or whatever. And it's like, I think that's part of what makes the process so hard is you feel so alone in it because it, it you, you feel like the exception. Yeah. And I actually think that people getting pregnant really easily right after they get married is kind of the exception, but it's just that those are the only people who talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, after going through this experience, I tend to agree. Like everybody that I've mentioned what we've gone through to yeah. has been like, Oh, you should talk to this person and that person. Oh, and I had this issue. And like, it's, I don't know. It's this weird thing that like, um, I, I don't personally have any like preconceived notions about it whether you conceive naturally or through IVF or through anything else or. I would say we're very supportive the, of people who have to conceive through IVF. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, what okay, I'm saying. Okay. Like, <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I'm to me, that is, it's all right, it's like all an normal. even yeah. normal yeah. playing field. But I think that there is like uh it's like a taboo. Yeah. Yeah. Well, which, number, which to me is so strange. I don't like, it doesn't even, I don't even understand right, why. Like, why would you care about that? Yeah. Um, when we told my grandmother that I was pregnant, which she was so, so happy about, um, <clears throat> but it turned out, she didn't say this to me, but she th said this to my mom. Yeah. She didn't like, I told her up front, I've, I've, I've been telling everybody since the beginning, like, you know, we used IVF and, yeah. and whatever. Um, and when she talked to my mom about it afterwards, she thought that meant that you weren't the father. I know everybody's been asking me that too. <laughs> You're the father of this baby. Yeah. I, I'm telling everyone no. <laughs> but I think, I think there are like, it's not just the taboo. It's also like, because people don't talk about it, people don't understand what it means. Yeah. Like when, when you think back to before we did it, like, how did you think IVF worked? Cause I feel like every step of the way we've been so surprised that we're like, that's what we have to do now. It's like, I thought that you, if you couldn't get pregnant naturally, then you did IVF and um, you would look through a catalog and pick out, uh, uh, you know, who you would want to. Um, like a sperm donor? You mean? Yeah. I figured okay. you, I would like, I would pick Dwayne the Rock Johnson <laughs> okay. and that would be. What did you really think? Um, I, I just like had some very loose notion about things being combined in a Petri dish and yeah. then like, you I know. I knew there were shots involved. Yeah, I didn't know how many shots. I definitely did not know. Um how many or what kind. And, uh, yeah, I just, I, I understood that cause, uh, wasn't there like a kind of derogatory term for like test well, tube baby? Yeah. Test tube babies. Yeah. I remember that term from when I was younger, right, which I agree. Like I have some weird connotation with that. Yeah. that Is sounds, that IVF? Is that what they were talking I about? Yes. Test tube baby. Seems like Are it. we having a test tube baby. I think it's going to look like a test tube. Is he going to be in a test tube? No, he's in my, yeah, he wouldn't fit in a test tube. You're gigantic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A te yeah, test tube baby. That's a, a term I haven't thought of in a long time, but I, I remember that from when I was a kid. I remember that sort of like being in the news. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Like when IVF got really big, but anyway, we like, we didn't really know what we were getting into and it was crazy. It was, it, it took way longer than we thought it was going to. I think it was like more than a year from when we first went to the fertility doctor to when we got pregnant. Um, partially just cause there's a lot of like paperwork and they make you take an IVF class and like you have to <clears> schedule <throat> everything ahead. Yeah. Um, partially because a pandemic hit right after we started doing IVF, yeah, which that didn't was help. Great. but we also had to do multiple rounds. Um, yes. so we did, we did two retrievals and then one, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then one transfer. <clears throat> um, and so it, it's basically like you do. And that, but that was after doing the three rounds of IUI. Yeah. After yeah. all the IUI. Yeah. Oh, yeah. right. That was the other reason it took a long time, but with the retrieval. So basically you're like taking all these drugs, 
I, I think I took like oral. There were a bunch of shots. I had to take suppositories, just like a huge range of drugs. Yeah, it was very graphic. The, I mean, the suppositories don't get me started. That was yeah, the worst it was part. like, it was like. <laughs> Full on body horror. Yeah. Pretty, pretty intense. And then at the end of that, I think it's like after six weeks of that or something, because part of it is they delay your period. So I think it's actually longer than a normal cycle. Yeah. You go in for a pretty invasive retrieval surgery where you're under full anesthesia. Like I didn't realize that was part of it. And they're basically like trying to put as many eggs in you and like plump them up as much as they can. And then they suck them all out. Yeah. And then based on how many eggs you get, then they take a sperm sample they try to fertilize those eggs into embryos. And then they do, if you opt in for it, which we did genetic testing on the embryos. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like the whole process is this funnel of like, the way they explain it to you is like, you know, how many eggs did we get the first time? It was like, I don't remember. Let's say it was nine. I think you got nine the first time and seven the second time. Yeah, that seems maybe. But so it's like you wake up from being under full anesthesia and they're like, you got nine eggs. And you're like, oh my God, I'm going to have nine babies. That's awesome. And we were like so encouraged from that. And then I think when we fertilize the embryos, we got something like five, five or six of them fertilized. So you lose a few right there. And then with the genetic testing, they get back to you. What is it like a couple weeks later or something? So you're, it was like, I thought, you know, a few days days or something. I don't know. It felt really long, but it's like at the end of that. So you get a call from the nurse. And for me, I was at work when she called me um, and she was like, Hey, I have your genetic testing results. And I was like, great. And you know, I'm a hundred percent expecting like, you're going to have six perfect babies. They're all going to (laughs) be tall and great at basketball, whatever. And she starts going through the list. And it's also weird because you don't, you don't know what to expect from the call. So it's like, I didn't know she was telling me like grades and chromosomes and all this yeah, stuff. And like yeah. I didn't know. So I just like wrote it all down and I made her repeat it back to me, but she went through and she was like, of the six, like this one is this grade and has this chromosomal issue. This one, we didn't get a whatever, like all of these different specifics. I have it written down somewhere, but basically, so she goes through this list of like, what's wrong with each of the six and then just stops talking. And I'm like, so what does that mean? And she's like, that means you don't have any genetically normal embryos. Yeah. And I was just, I remember I was sitting in a conference room at work, just like trying not to cry in between meetings and just being like, okay, well, there's the answer to why we haven't gotten pregnant in three years. Um, and that was like, after all those shots and all the like, I went, and the first time we did it, remember like I wasn't drinking or anything. Like I was trying to be really healthy and really, I was exercising every day. Yeah. That really sucked. Yeah. That was rough. Yeah. And we didn't even really know that was a possibility. And it it was also like all of the chromosomal issues were different. It wasn't like, Oh, you have like all of your embryos have this one issue. It's like, seemed like everything that could go wrong went wrong with one of them. Yeah. I, I had this sense of like, when we started the IVF process, it was like, oh, well now we're bringing out the big guns. So like, yeah, this is fine. just going to be easy. Yeah. And like, we went through the retrieval and all that stuff. And it's like, oh, you got all these eggs. And we're like, oh, pfft. yeah, this we're is, fine. Yeah. We are just on our way. This is just like nothing. And uh, yeah, you know, you like fall flat on your face like that. And it's like, holy shit. Like we, we did weeks of injections yeah. and all this stuff. And that's when like the, the randomness of it really hits you. You know, you realize that like, oh, this is like, they are controlling this as much as they possibly can, but there is an element of like, 
maybe it will work this time or it won't work this time, yeah. and but it what, might work a month and a half from now. That's Who knows? what the doctor said. Cause of course it's like your next reaction is like, okay, call the doctor and be like, okay, what does this mean? Like, is there something wrong with me? Is there yeah. something wrong with him? You know? And she was just like, on it, she literally said, honestly, it's totally random. And she was like, I think we should do it again. You might get different results. I, I almost didn't want to do it again because I was so convinced it wasn't going to work. Yeah. Um, honestly, it's random or it's not random, but we've been staring at dicks for 400 yeah. years. So we kind of <laughs> don't really busy. know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I mean the, the, like the, the day-to-day experience of it is just crazy, you yeah. know? I'm trying to like, so I had this like dark thought really like going through this experience. I'm 40. You are 30. Excuse me. You are 30 something. And, um, you know, actually I think it's relevant because I'm I'm 35, which means I'm advanced maternal age. Yeah. Um, and, and like, you know, we watch a lot of reality TV. We have friends who are our age. Like I feel like we are in this, day and age where it is, it is very kind of common for women who are approaching the, the, the time, you know, to have kids and stuff to like start freezing their eggs and everything. And I was very naive previously, like before going through this whole process. And I was like, Oh yeah. You know, like if you're you know, 29, start banking those eggs and then just fucking you're set. You don't have to worry about shit. And then yeah. when you're like, you know, 65, you can, you can just give birth to a kid cause you have that in the bank. But, and I, you know, I don't know who's listening to this or what your deal is or what you're going through. Don't tell me about it. I don't care. But, <laughs> um, I, I like, I had this like massively eye opening experience going through all of this with you. Um, and I realized like there are no guarantees at all. I know. And People we learned like that 18 eggs and think that they're all going to be great. And yeah. that's not what matters. It's the fertilized embryos. Exactly. And even if they get fertilized, yeah, then there's, there's so the genetic testing. And that's what I was talking about, like wins and losses along the way. Yeah. Because there were so many steps where like we went through like, you know, weeks and weeks of injections. Then we do the retrieval and we're yeah. like, oh shit, we got all this. It's great. Yeah. Oh, we do the fertilization. Oh, we got this. It's great. Okay. It's less than the before, but we're still in the mix. And, and then like, you know, you get through that and like, it's also part of the like lack of the cultural conversation around it that people think, yeah, the expectations aren't right. The same way you spend your entire life trying not to get pregnant, like leading up to the moment where you want to get pregnant and you think like it's literally one slip up away from happening. I think there is a like flip side of that coin where the people who know that they want to get pregnant in the future, they think it also is going to be that level of ease. Yep. And I wish them all the best of luck because our experience was that it is not. And we've heard from so many people we know too. Yeah. But the other thing is like, I'm sorry to say that I I think that when we were going through it, like I was just trying to get to the point where I got pregnant, which was awesome. Like that was an amazing moment. Yeah. But then I spent my entire pregnancy worrying about all the things that could go wrong because even if you have a perfectly, like a perfect genetically normal embryo, so many people have first trimester miscarriages. I learned there's all these crazy things that can go wrong that show up in blood tests and ultrasounds, even in your second and third trimester. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't, I feel like the, there's still so many things that can go wrong, even if you manage to like get pregnant, like get that positive pregnancy test, which yeah. is one of my pet peeves. That like misguided 
ease that you're expecting kind of informs the way you think about it when you're younger. But now I see how it informs the way people think about it when they're older. Yeah. And I'm not going to be the one who's like, Hey, <laughs> you should really think about this. Yeah. Uh, but I also, I, in some ways I know many people who are going through the process of freezing eggs. And, you know, I see it on also on TV. Like I said, we watch reality TV, you know, it's sort of like something that like comes up. Um, I, I almost see like these people sort of lighting the fuse on a bomb that's going to go off in the future. And I'm, I'm afraid that those people are that when that bomb goes off, they're not going to have any other like opportunities. Like they're not going to have the ability to deal with it. Um, but I, I wanted to say something about like going through the process of IUI and IVF. I don't know if we're going to talk about it in this episode necessarily, but like from a surface level as the guy going through it in an abstract kind of emotional sense, you know, because I'm not taking shots. I am any of that stuff. Um, we get it. You, you had a really easy few years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, for me, it's literally just like, after going through this rigmarole of like dealing with shots and, you know, which on my end is kind of a minor inconvenience, we're going to go in for the next appointment on Thursday. And it's like, is this when I find out that everything changes? Yeah. And then it's like, oh, it didn't. Okay. When's our next appointment? Right. Uh, well, it was kind of a lose-lose for you. Cause it was either like, oh God, I have to actually start wrapping my head around having a baby, which I'm not sure you were totally ready for. Right. Or, oh God, my wife is going to be so upset again for the next however many months. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so I, I had this like people, you know, my friends and uh, people I talked to about it were like very sympathetic and supportive. And I, I really appreciate all of them for that. But like, I had this thing that I, I, told all of them to describe it. I was like, every time we go for these tests, it's like, it's like you're going to go, to go skydiving. Yeah. You're in the plane. You have like checked your chute. You went through the class. Everything is ready. You get into the plane. You're sitting on the little <laughs> bench. Your chute is on. Your goggles are on. You are at altitude. You're sitting there. You're freaking out the whole time. The, the plane is going up. They slide the door open and you're looking out and you're like, fuck. I am about to jump out of an airplane and the instructor opens the door and says, not today and <laughs> slides it shut. And then they land the plane and you get off, you know, trundling out with your, with your, your yeah. parachute strapped on. And like, in some ways you're like, fuck, I thought today was the day that I was jumping out that fucking airplane. But in some ways you're like, I really didn't want to jump out of this <laughs> yeah, airplane. Yeah. So that's a kind of okay with me yeah. right now, you know, like, and, and Hey, if you are a guy who's experiencing this in a different way and your foot is just on the gas pedal the yeah. whole time, don't let me know. I don't care. <laughs> I'm telling you, <laughs> telling you my experience. No, but I think that's totally valid. And I think even for me, like I so desperately want and wanted a kid, but I also had a tiny bit of that relief. Like I remember we had so many of those conversations where we were like, well, now we can go on that vacation we were hoping to go on or like, yeah. now I can keep drinking or I can like go to that birthday party that's happening next month. You know, it's like there are benefits obviously to being like two parent, um, sure, childless sure. people yeah, in the yeah. city with fun stuff to do. And, and, and I think it's just sort of unique in that, like you have too much time to contemplate that, yeah. that like difference, you know, it's not like you're just like, well, it feels like you're making the decision over and over again. It's like this constant. Yeah. yeah. You have this like huge amount of time to contemplate the difference between being pregnant and not being pregnant. Yeah. Whereas like, as opposed when, to just taking a test and then being like, Oh, it's happening. Yeah. When yeah. you see it in the movies, it's like they pee on a little stick and then they're like, 
we're pregnant. And like and then, yeah. the time before being pregnant is over. Yeah. And so now it's a new reality. Yeah. But like when you're going through this process, you're like constantly contemplating the two and it's, it, it, it's a real, you know, it's a real uh, crazy ride to be on the whole time. Yeah. You, um, you brought up the craziness of the shots and you said that it wasn't traumatic for you. Do you remember? I think it was the first time. No, you had- physically, physically traumatic. The first time that you had to give me a shot, you had a panic attack that seemed very physically traumatizing for you. No, it was mentally traumatizing that was, you know, expressed physically. Yeah. But I, I'm saying it's not physically traumatizing in the sense that like, I'm not sticking needles into my yeah, body but it, every I day. I couldn't even feel, well, there were some that were painful, but for the most part, like I couldn't even feel it. And it was like extremely upsetting for you. Well, I didn't have, I didn't have like a full on breakdown until I had to you, do the intramuscular. Is shot. that when you had the yeah. panic attack? That was when I was like, I, I got to go sit in the bathroom and hyperventilate for a yeah. while. But it was fine. Yeah. But it was like, because previously when you're going through IUI and IVF, you're doing up just until the easy ones. Yeah, it's the subcutaneous shot, which yeah. is just like a like a the needle is so and you're thin. You're putting it in like stomach fat, and it's yeah, scary. it just goes boop like just under the skin. But then when you do the intramuscular, it's like the That's needle the is the four inches long and as thick as a turkey baster. Yeah, but it really, I, I feel like for the there were a couple that hurt, but for the most part, it was really really fine. Yeah, I just uh, myelated down and I just rammed it into her like like. Uh, like, like John Travolta fucking shooting up yeah. uh, Uma Thurman with the um, hard thing because she overdosed on heroin. Yeah. Um, so I just pretended that you overdosed on heroin. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I brought it down, big arc over my head. Wham. Yeah. And we got through it. And I was fine. Yeah. But yeah, it is, it is a lot. I feel like you don't totally understand what you're signing up for. Even when they tell you like how frequent the shots are going to be. There was at one point at the peak for one of our cycles, we were doing like four or five shots a day or something yeah. crazy. It was insane. It was, it was, it, you feel like such a crazy person. Cause you're like, and, and it's all for this thing that other people just seem to do where you're like, yeah. It's not like I'm dying of cancer. And I, I kept thinking about this where I was like, I realized there are certain situations where like this is called for, but it just felt so like unnecessary for me to be doing that. Yeah. Yeah. It's an extreme amount yeah. of stuff to it's go through for like what is presented yeah. <laughs> as a completely normal biological process. Yeah. So we did the first round of IVF. Yeah. Didn't get any embryo, any good embryos. We decided to do another round and yeah. maybe I should mention we are extremely lucky because my employer covers uh what three rounds of IVF or something. Yeah. Which is as we've learned extraordinary. Absolutely. I, yeah. I don't know if we would have done it. I don't think we would have. Yeah. I think we would have had a real uh, intense conversation because of it, that's another it's thing that's come up. Like, like there's a lot of people who you meet who have like stepped off the ride at various yeah. points because like it is financially just brutal. Yeah. So we're, we're very lucky. I will acknowledge that. Yeah. Um, so we, we did another, uh, retrieval round and with that one, we got something like seven eggs, something like four or five fertilized. And then when they called me, I think we got four genetically normal embryos. Yep. Um, and we even, so we got to find out the genders and we got, uh, it was one male and three. Three, three female. females. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So we moved forward with, we started with the male cause we figured we only have one, we, you know, we'd like to see if we can have one of each or whatever. Um, yep. so we started with that one. And I just remember like when, so the transfer is actually really easy cause you're not knocked out. It's just a, I think it's another catheter. Like they just kind of pop the embryo in there yep. and it's cool. Cause you're like watching the, um, well, you weren't there, but like I could see the 
video on the ultrasound thing. So you can actually like see the little embryo, like pop into your uterus um, (laughs) when it happens. But I just remember like at that point I was like, there's no way it's going to work. I was a hundred percent sure that it was not going to work. And I was already gearing myself up for like, you know, well, after this, we'll move forward with another transfer. We'll try another embryo. And then like, I guess I'll want to do another round of retrieval because I know I want a son at some point and whatever. And I remember we were driving upstate when they called me to tell me how it went. Remember we were in the car and then like the nurse was just like, congratulations, it worked. And I was like, what? And she was like, you're (laughs) pregnant. It worked. And I was like, I like, I just immediately started crying and I was like, okay, but it's like, I feel like neither one of us had actually prepared ourselves for it working. And then, like I said, I feel like the whole, ever since then, it's been like, I've been waiting for something to not work out. And now this baby, I guess is going to show up in the next few weeks, but it has added a really surreal feeling to the whole thing where like, I I think you understand that a baby is showing up here, but I still feel kind of in denial that that's like, I feel like my brain has separated fertility from actually having a kid. And I still don't really understand that I'm going to have a human baby. Yeah. Well, which I feel like I got to start wrapping my head around. Yeah. I've been watching three men and a baby and three men and a little lady over and over again (laughs) for the past six months. So I feel very prepared. (laughs) I feel like the Steve Gutenberg of this situation. I don't know who you are and I don't know who the third is, but. Uh, okay. Is that, do those movies hold up? Should I watch them? Um, I doubt it, but I am very (laughs) open to watching them. Okay. We'll watch it. Um, so yeah, so I guess that's sort of, that gets us through the fertility stuff. Yeah. Um, tune in next time (laughs) to hear about, I don't know what. Yeah. I think we'll do, uh, Assuming that we don't give up on this podcast after this first yeah. episode, we might, we're fickle. I don't yeah. know. I think what we'll do is we'll do the next episode about pregnancy and what that has been yeah. like. And then I, th- you know, we'll see what seems like it would be useful for people. But I was thinking if we did an episode for like each kind of stage. So it's like the first couple weeks of having a baby and then the first, yeah. wherever, wherever those milestones are. Yeah. And, and like, if, if this is something that you're going through or, or, you know, something, are you gonna say, don't tell me. No, no. I was going to say that like, if, if this resonates with you in a, in a positive way, if this is something that like you want to hear about because you're going through that experience or whatever, like you can let us know. And you know, if there's something you want to know about, um, you know, if we're comfortable talking about that, like we would love to, cause I think like for us, like we really felt like we were kind of on this on our own going through this whole experience. It was really hard for us to, I mean, I think outside of some of the conversations we had with our friends who opened up to us, like it is really hard to just like Google something or look for a podcast and find people talking openly and honestly about like what these things are actually like and what they're feeling like. And I think that's been really hard for us. Yeah. So like if you're, you know, on that road and, and, uh, you have questions for us, uh, you know, if we're further along than you are and you want to know what's happening or something, if we can offer you guidance or our take on it, like we're happy to do that and you can let us know and we'll talk about it in a future episode. Um, but who knows, maybe when the, when we record the next episode, there will be a baby screaming in the background. Could be. Could be. Yeah. Hard to say at this point. We'll have to rent out a professional studio. <laughs> yeah. 